Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and this week we're talking all about modes. If you're looking for the written article that goes along with this episode, you can find that at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 172. Or if you're not a member, colorfulkeys.ie slash 172. Hey there, beautiful teachers. I hope that whenever this episode is finding you, that you're having a wonderful week. We're here today to talk about modes, which is a really interesting topic that I can't believe we haven't covered on the blog up to now, but we haven't at all. So. Modes are something that can mystify many, and for some people they're just a natural part of playing piano. Particularly I've heard from people who play in church that they had to get comfortable with modes right away. But many of us who didn't grow up with that tradition, we didn't hear about modes at all, or we did but it was in a theory workbook, and we were mostly focused on major and minor scales, or exclusively, like me. I knew all of those scales backwards and forwards and upside down before I even heard about these other mystical scales. So if you're in that boat right now, no worries. Don't worry about not understanding them up to this point. We all have to learn about it someday. But whether you are in on it or not, you might still struggle to teach modes. So that's the main thing we're talking about today. However, I will start by going through the modes and what they mean and what those even are, right? So what do we mean when we talk about modes? Well, I like to think of modes as being the original set of scales. This is the full set before we started just falling in love with two of them and preferring to use only those two for the most part. So the two we fell in love with are Ionian, which is major to us now, and Aeolian, which is minor. It's a natural minor, but, you know, we derive our harmonic and melodic from that. But there's all the other ones, and they are still used, and sometimes they're used by accident, as it were, like people don't know they're writing a modal piece, but people do, because it's not true that every piece has to have do or la as its tonic. That's reality. So let's go through each of the modes one by one and talk about what kind of sound, what flavor they give to pieces and what they would be for those of you who aren't familiar. 
So Ionian, as I said, is a major scale. It's often described as happy or bright, although I know many people don't love it being described as happy because, you know, major music can be sad or frightening or what it's to be. But these are just general statements that give us a sense of the flavor of the scale. So this is the major, the white keys from C to C, if we're talking about the key of C. A good example of this, a simple example for everyone, is happy birthday. But of course, there are just bajillions of examples out there of Ionian. The next one is Darian. I feel like this is the runner-up prize. You can tell me if you disagree with me, but I feel like this one comes in third place. Major and minor. And then Darian. I feel like I hear about that one next. So Darian, I think of as being an almost minor. It's the white keys from D to D. Or you can think about it as being a natural minor scale with a sharpened sixth, right? So if we had a natural minor D, we would have the flat, the B flat in there, but it's sharpened in a D Darian because it's all white keys. So you can think about it from different perspectives. The examples of this would be Scarborough Fair is the classic one we refer to. Also Billie Jean, Michael Jackson, a super fun example of Darian. Many people think that this sounds kind of folksy or nautical in some cases, and it's also used a lot for like mystical, mysterious sounding pieces. Next up, we have Phrygian. Phrygian tends to bring to mind a Spanish flavor or flamenco music. It's all the white keys from E to E, or a natural minor scale with a flattened second. An example of this that I love, of course there are other examples out there, but an example that I like is Baby Got Back. Not the most politically correct or student-appropriate song, but if you know it, you can bring it to mind straight away. So if you want the sound of Phrygian, that's a useful one to refer to. Then we have Lydian. So this is, many think of this, when they hear it, they think it sounds super happy, almost ecstatic or like overdone happiness to me. It's bright and optimistic, hopeful, futuristic. I like that description of it. Or magical. This is, of course, the white keys from F to F or a major scale with a sharpened fourth. So I think it would have been F, F major, but the B flat has become a B there in the middle. This is used in the Lord of the Rings Rivendell theme. If you're familiar with that, of course, you can look up more examples of these. It's a fun area to explore. Then we have Mixolydian, so Lydian, then Mixolydian, 
you don't have to remember these names, by the way. I don't, they don't always all come to mind instantly for many teachers, and that's not a problem. The important part is the meaning and the being able to investigate the flavors with your students. Anyway, we have Mixolydian next. So this is a bluesy sound. It's not actually a blue scale, but it's a bluesy scale. And it's great for pop music. It's used in pop music where Darian is, like I say, almost minor to me. This is almost major, major with a little pinch of minor thrown in. So it's all the white keys from G to G. So if you imagine a G scale, it would have that flat, it would have the F sharp. So that's gotten flattened. So that's where the little bluesy minory note comes in, but it's mostly a major scale. An example of this is Hey Jude, and I don't need to explain who that's by. <laughs> Next up we have Aeolian, so this is our natural minor that I love to teach students first before they explore harmonic and melodic. This is used for sad or mysterious or romantic, not romantic the period of music, but like actually the real meaning of the word romantic, the original meaning to most people. This is all the white keys from A to A or a natural minor scale. And an example of this, a more contemporary example is Counting Stars. That's a great one for students. Then we have a Locrian, last but not least, but sort of least in some ways because it's hard to find examples of this one. So this one is very striking, sad, devastating, sometimes described as, or anxious. It's also, I've heard from composers, quite a challenge to compose in. Like you think you're composing in Locrian, but you end up composing something that won't stay in Locrian. So I do understand why there's not that much music out there. In Locrian mode. I'd love more examples of it though. I think it's really fun. So this is all the white keys from B to B or a natural minor with a flattened second and a flattened fourth. Dust to Dust by John Kirkpatrick. If you're familiar with that or you want to look it up, that is a great example and really exemplifies this kind of devastating, wrenching feeling that comes along with Locrian. Okay, so those are the modes. Let's talk about how we might explain them or introduce them to students. There are two ways that I like to work on modes. And the way I don't love to work on them is talking about the formula. So the way I mentioned them to you there of like a major scale, a flattened seventh or whatever, that's good if you're, you have a student who's very secure on their scales. So I'm assuming you're very secure on your scales when I mention those, but I wouldn't tend to give those explanations to students because there's just too many of them and there's too much to track there. I also don't love the whole the whole step, half step or semitone tone 
uh, pattern layout because I don't like them for scales either. I just think it's so easy to get mixed up and I do understand how it seems more universal. But to me, it feels more abstract and disjointed or disconnected from the music and the sound. That's just my feeling on it, though. So if you love teaching with whole and half step or semitone tone patterns, maybe that's the route you want to take. For me, though, I love to talk about modes in two ways with my students, either using solfa or using the C scale or another familiar scale. So solfa I love because you can get students to sing the different options. It just so, I mean, as with so many things with solfa, it's so instantly understandable. You just get it, right? If you know do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, you can just say, well, now we start on re. And we go to Ray and back down again. And the way this has an advantage over, say, a C-scale approach, although I like to use both, is because students instantly get, if they've already worked with Salfa, that is, they instantly get that this is transposable, right? That it's it's movable, it's not stuck to D being Darian. Although D Darian does help me remember <laughs> which one is Darian or did when I was learning them. But um, yeah. Starting on Ray, it just makes a lot of sense that, well, it's all scales that start on Ray. Now, having said that, I do like to also use the C scale. So this is where you get a student to play a C, C major scale. Then they play starting on D and finishing on D, starting on E and finishing on E. If you've already approached the minors this way with them, or you will in the future, this is really useful for them. So both approaches emphasize that relationship that they're all kind of within the same key and they're all related to each other and they're just different ways of using the same paint palette. Once you've explained them to them one way or another or had some experience with them, get composing right away. Challenge them to compose in Locrian, see if they can do it, or let them pick out a mode that appeals to them. Any mode will do. Anything that they find interesting to listen to and have them compose some music in that. It really is so valuable to get them to compose with this stuff. Scales too, I mean, standard scales too. As they go through, composing in the new scale helps them get into it and helps them instantly see why they're doing this, right? This is the whole approach that I take in the Circle of Fifths Odyssey with my students because what we're doing there is we're improvising all the way around the Circle of Fifths, all the major keys. And that means that you instantly get that, oh, right, this scale makes music. Like, it sounds a bit different when I put an F sharp in to this scale instead of an F. So that's why these are the notes in this scale. That's how we make it sound in this way. If we wanted to sound different, we could use this mode or that scale or whatever. So improvising and composing to me with these modes as you go is so, so important. And if you haven't ever explored Salfa and you're curious about that approach, we have a great article which is called Salfa for Piano Teachers for Beginners. So Salfa for Piano Teachers for Beginners is a great place to go if you're like, mm, I've heard the word or I get the idea, but I'm not really sure how to put it into practice in a piano studio. That could be a great place to go for you. I hope that that's given you a little sense and some flavor of modes for your studio to start exploring these with your students. I have some more resources that you might like to explore if you want to dive into this further or just explore it for yourself. 
So first of all, there's a book by Faris Kinney, which is called Modes, book one. It features 11 different pieces featuring all the modes on the white keys. I'd also recommend checking out Faris Kinney's uh, resources in general because his Create First books, for example, use and, and his pattern playbooks actually use a lot of modal improv patterns. So they're a great way to work on this skill as well. Then there's a great book called Duets a la Mode by Lisa Donovan Lucas. This is fun not just because it's duets that are all in different modes, but because the levels of the duets are unusual. So each of the seven modes has two pieces. So there's 14 pieces and the duets are one side is like late elementary, late beginner, early intermediate, and the other side is late intermediate, early advanced. So if you have siblings that are at different levels or students at different levels, that would be great. Or you can play the late intermediate part yourself. That'd be really fun with a student who's at that level. So it's quite fun, the difference in levels there. And then finally, we have a resource on vibrant music teaching, which is called Memorable Modes. This is a kind of fill in the blanks little story prompt for each of the modes, and it's a great way to interact with them. It would also make a really wonderful starting point for composing and a composing project with your students. On the composing front, by the way, if you're doing one of our other composing projects or a, any composing based work with your student, Bring up modes as an option. They're a great place to go, particularly for your students who've been composing, who've composed a few pieces or something like that. And, you know, we can get stuck in a rut and we can start writing samey, samey pieces. But just throw a mode in there. Explore that option together and it might bring up a whole new world of possibilities. Now, this whole month is all about scales. So next week, we're going to be talking about when students should start scales. Controversial, right? Then we're going to be talking about which scales we should teach first, like what order do we teach them in? You may think, well, obviously it's C, or maybe you think obviously it's B, but there's a lot of debate about that too. And then we have a discussion about which way we take uh, teach scales. So is it going to be based on reading them off a page or by rote or writing what do we like to do so we've three great episodes coming up about scales we want to kick this off with modes just to get it started on a really creative foot and then we're following up with some more of the nitty-gritty of scale teaching so i hope you'll be back here next week for that until then happy teaching and i'll see you then if you like this episode you would absolutely love vibrant music teaching membership we have the support and the training you need to take your teaching further. Join us today by going to vmt.ninja and signing up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it. And I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July. And you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.